Hello and welcome to the Not A Game podcast. This is episode or issue or whatever it is, 43, which is the 14th smallest prime number. And <laughs> shut up, I like prime numbers. Yeah, I didn't know uh, about you. <laughs> I like prime numbers, they're the best. Um, anyway, joining me today are, as you heard, uh, regular Tom Hatfield. Hello. And the esteemed Chris Livingston, who is Screen Cuisine on the Twitter, who is a freelance games writer. Hello, from California, <gasps> United States. Yes, we're we're transcontinental this week. We are. Is this the first time we've done that? No, we've had um, we had uh, Nathan Grayson and Joe Frank on before. Oh, yes, sorry. Well, you're third, which is also a prime number, so that's fine. Oh, <laughs> okay, I'll take it. I'll this is going it. very well. <laughs> Coincidence or indication of Half-Life 3 coming out? Uh, <laughs> oh, could be. Everything is about Half-Life 3 coming right. Except for our podcast. No. If yes. it, one day it'll come out and we just won't talk about it. That's our USP. Nothing is about Half-Life 3. Right, so <laughs> what have you been playing this week, Chris? Oh, uh, this week I've been playing Watch Dogs. Um, um, yes. I played a lot of Watch Dogs this week. Tell us about Watch Dogs. Uh, well, it's a open world city driving shooting game kind of that we've played a bunch of times before. Got a lot of uh, Grand Theft Auto in there, got a lot of Assassin's Creed in there, and um, there's also a lot of hacking, computer hacking that you do. Um, you basically, you're um, Aiden Pierce, who is sort of a former um, hacker thief turned um, hacker vigilante after a, a job went wrong and people got hurt. And he talks like this. He talks in a whisper. And he's... <laughs> oh, he's so you're saying he's a video game protagonist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's very familiar. He's, um, he's, he's a bore. He's a complete bore. He's, he's kind of like Batman. He's got, he's got um, some cool gadgets. And he's a vigilante. And he, he just has no idea how to enjoy himself. He's, mm. very, he's very tortured. He's tortured. Um, <laughs> Is he tortured in any interesting ways, or is he entirely generic? No, it's um, you know someone someone close to him was killed, and he's trying to find the people responsible. Um, yeah, so pretty much pretty much every every other character we've seen like this. He also uh, he hasn't shaved in a few days. Oh, good. So yeah, another. Another game where the sort of the hero's superpower is white male privilege. Maybe? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there are there are several women in the game. I think they're there to kind of motivate him as opposed to having actual, um, you know, lives and personalities. Oh, good. So. Does the uh, Bechdel test like cut any ground with this? Oh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think any of the women talk to each other directly. So, no. Certainly wouldn't so do it about one. anything other than Aiden either. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. I remember you did the review, didn't you, for PC Gamer? I and did. My, yeah. My main takeaway was that awesome screenshot of like the horse ride. <laughs> yeah, I don't. They they uh, basically you you have this phone, which is the best part about this guy is his phone. He's got a really cool 
uh, smartphone, and the idea is Chicago is is run by this one operating system called CTOS that um, controls the whole city. It controls the utilities, it controls the computers, and it controls, like, for some reason, like, forklifts, soda machines, and children's electronic horsey rides. How could that possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah. So, um, actually, a friend of mine told me he was at a university once, which had a um, which, which had a uh, vending machine that was like wired into the um, for some reason was wired into the university network, mm-hmm. and you could get onto it and tell if someone had put the money in and not and not taken the their coat or whatever, and then right. just like buy one out. <laughs> Whoever was passing by suddenly suddenly one just drops out. <laughs> Yeah, I guess they. I guess they have them hooked up so they know when they're empty or something. But I guess people can exploit it. And I guess that's kind of the idea. Of, um, I don't. I don't feel like uh, Ubisoft was trying to really send much of a message with their game. But if there's, I guess, a takeaway, it's like when everything's connected, then everything kind of has a vulnerability, and this guy with his phone can just jump in and you know turn on the horsey ride or yeah. operate the forklift or make a giant steam pipe in the middle of the street explode. What we're trying to say with this game is don't put Wi-Fi on grenades. Right. (laughs) Does it actually feel like in any way, I guess, faithful? Because in the UK, like when I was growing up, there was a TV show like on Saturday nights called Bugs. And it was like, you know, like people would do all these really cool things with hacking. And it was kind of like that slightly cheesy kind of early 90s sci-fi mm-hmm. that always felt slightly like, yeah, but that's kind of not really how it works in real life, is it now? Um, and like, I was wondering whether this felt like there was any kind of relationship with reality or whether it had that same sort of, I guess for entertainment purposes, disconnect or, like, theatricality about it? Yeah, there's nothing particularly uh, realistic, I don't think. Um, you know, if you're walking around and you want to look at someone's phone, you just you just hold down a button and it jumps in and hacks them. Um, you can jump into... you can. I guess the idea is you look... You hack a security camera and he's looking at his phone and seeing what the camera sees but for the player you kind of just sort of jump into the camera mm. and then you can move it around and jump into another camera or, or hack something that the camera is looking at but it's not any kind of real I mean there's nothing realistic in any way shape or form about it so, I wonder if what if they might end up following the pattern of like Blood Dragon and decide to do a ridiculous 90s version of it which is just like hackers <laughs> something like that. Oh, that would be fun. Kind of like so, an old old school hacking type of game. What's the actual hacking like? You know, like, does it feel like you're actually sort of manipulating systems or is it more that you're sort of fulfilling a criteria just to get to the next thing? You know, like, do you actually do much in the way of hacking or learning about systems? Um... No, I mean it's 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 mostly um, what it, you know. What it really kind of reminded me of was the uh, Batman Arkham, like Arkham City or Arkham Asylum games. Okay. Um, basically, you've got say a building that you need to infiltrate, and it's full of guards who are kind of patrolling. Mm. 
Mm. And, you know, how Batman will kind of, like, he'll go up uh, on onto, like, a gargoyle that's inside the building for some reason. Mm. And he'll kind of uh, swing around from, from spot to spot uh, from different vantage points and kind of observe the guards and maybe pick one off here and pick one off there. And that's kind of what this feels like, um, except you're standing outside the building and you're just infiltrating through the cameras. And so you're, you're, you're in there kind of looking around and moving from point to point and maybe causing a junction box to explode and kill one guard or causing his uh, explosive to detonate or maybe just distracting them by making their, their phone ring or something happen in another room. Mm. And all this is going on, but you're you're still out on the street. You're perfectly safe. Um, so it's kind of it kind of has that Batman kind of feel without actually having to uh, really swing around physically. Mm. Okay. Although at other times you do have to go in and shoot like a thousand people in the face. So he does he does also have guns. Aiden is a hacker, but he has a lot of guns, and he's a martial artist, and mm. he does parkour. And this is all. This is all explained in his first audio diary, which you can listen to in his house. <laughs> what is the explanation? Just that he had a lot of spare time. Yeah. <laughs> I used to do motion capture for Ubisoft games. <laughs> right. I think he uh, he took karate as a kid or something. I think he was maybe picked on as a kid because he was a nerd I learned or to play the French horn as a child. It doesn't mean <laughs> that I am any good at it, or anyone has any desire to exploit it for anything. But if you were if you were crouched, say behind some sort of obstacle, and an armed guard walked toward it and came within range, could you jump out and play the French horn for him? I could hit him with the French horn. That okay. would probably well, be that's... like a more reliable. That's the same thing. Like you were with the French horn. Aiden is with um, a karate stick or whatever that thing is called. He has a baton. He hits people uh, with a baton. It's weird, like, seeing all of the uh, things that people have been sort of saying or, you know, dropping into conversation about watchdogs because mm-hmm. I remember, like, at some point last year they had a marketing campaign for it, which was they took, like, maybe three or four European cities, like, including London, and what the campaign was was that it took, like, all of the... Um, API like open API like data that it could find like stuff about uh, the tube trains and Boris bikes and you know CCTV cameras and ATMs and things like that and you could sort of look at a map of the city and see them all like you know in different kind of neon colors like glowing and but it also pulled people's uh, unprotected like social media feeds and so mm-hmm. like they'd been you know the ones that had been geotagged you could just sort of investigate the city and sort of see where people were clustered and you know what they were doing and things like that and that was far more interesting to me because it sort of had that sort of um you know you are broadcasting so much to- not aware of it and you're not you know policing that and stuff like that and I actually used it to find my house like this stuff didn't actually sort of have you know I I don't think it had like a postcode search type thing but I actually managed to zero in on where I lived and find some tweets that I'd sent just like you know from sort of clicking around and that was it was interesting and unsettling and thought-provoking, and it sounds like none of those things have really translated to the game. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I'm, I don't feel like they're trying to say anything about any of this. Most of um, one thing you can do is, you know, you can read stuff off people's phones, so you can see their text messages and their sometimes listen to their conversations. There are servers you hack that have been collecting data about the citizens, and sometimes you can watch a little bit of the video. Um, but most of it is played for like kind of cheap jokes or uh, maybe like um, a little bit of sexual humor, um, embarrass, kind of embarrassment things, but nothing like, there's nothing I saw that's, that, that I thought, oh, I should not be watching this. It was more like, I don't, I don't want to watch this. Like it's just, there was nothing really seriously uh, said about that whole kind of privacy situation. Which is fine. I don't. I don't feel like they're obligated to to send a message, but it, it's pretty clear that they're not trying to say anything. I think because well, I haven't been sort of reviewing it and haven't picked it up to play. Like I haven't given it a whole heap of thought, really. But mm-hmm. um, something that sort of popped into my mind was that perhaps it has sort of suffered from the fact that PRISM and the sort of the NSA and GCHQ sort of, you know, the the data practices and the leaks have sort of meant that we want to have more serious or more involved conversations about those concepts and they're not just sort of things that you can pluck off the shelf at the moment and use for entertainment value because there are sort of so many related concerns that people are sort of working with and around and sort of uh, are just very much in our even if not on our minds exactly but sort of in the peripheral vision so much and so the fact that watchdogs kind of then had to come out after that had happened it's right. like oh shit you know <laughs> yeah they probably i mean they probably um if it had if it had come out you know maybe a year or so ago it probably wouldn't have mattered but now you know like now that all this is going on i've kind of kind of feel like they maybe missed a trick maybe they really could have said something or imparted something about you know what's actually going on in the world but they might you know it may be that they just aren't interested in that kind of a message too or maybe it would have just necessitated so much extra work or like so much sort of rewriting or whatever that it was a case of uh, we'll release the game or i don't know it'd be interesting to sort of you know if they ever talk about that you know a few years down the line uh, right it's i mean it's a it's kind of a trend i've noticed with ubisoft games is they try and they tend to put these issues in there and then not really take, say anything about them like i mean sprint cell blacklist was it that had you um that had you going into guantanamo guantanamo bay and torturing someone but they weren't actually saying anything about it. it was just there it's I don't know. It's it's a weird trend they've got going where they like. It's like they want to be seen as edgy and talking about the issues without actually talking about the issues at all. Right. So you sort of invoke it and then back away from it, basically. Yeah, exactly. Mm, yeah. Just use it as wallpaper. Hmm. Well. Well, indeed. So, have you played anything else to sort of sweeten uh, that experience? Because I, I feel like perhaps it wasn't necessarily the most positive of your gaming oh, <laughs> outings. Well, you know, the actually, I, I wound up enjoying the game a lot. I mean, the uh, like I said, uh, Aiden is a bore. The story is is kind of lame, and um, 
the city whole driving around shooting stuff in the city is kind of familiar, but I, I did enjoy actually the hacking a lot, um, not into the, to spy on people, but to infiltrate buildings and take out mm. guards. Um, I really enjoyed, there's a, a few different multiplayer modes, but there's one that I found really um, super fun and interesting where uh, one one multi one player will infiltrate another player's single player game without them knowing. Um, so you'll be playing a you'll just be driving around doing whatever, and you'll suddenly get a notification that there's another player in your game and he's hacking your data and you have to find him, and he looks just like a, a regular citizen. So it's this kind of thing where, kind of playing on that whole um, intrusion and uh, theme, they'll. Hmm. They'll just come into your game and start messing with you. So, I was gonna, um, yeah, I remember you talking about this in review. From what I could follow, um, that it's not like Dark Souls where someone actually it, it announces the moment someone enters your game. Like right. you only notice when they start hacking you. So someone's been in your game for several minutes, maybe without. Yeah, you, you have uh, when you when you go into someone's game, you have five minutes to start hacking them, and it basically it drops you in the game usually around a hundred meters from their location. Um, if they're driving, then you're in a car. If they're on foot, then you're on foot. So you you can um, you just have to get within, I think, maybe 25 meters and have a line of sight on them to start hacking. But you can also just follow them around for a while, which is what I do, which is really fun to watch someone play a game without them knowing that you're there. Like, And it's, it's also a little jarring because you're used to being the one lunatic in the game who's driving over curbs and smashing through light posts and wrecking cars and suddenly there's someone else doing it right in front of you and it's like oh do i do, do i look that bad when i do this <laughs> but then another guy another guy jumped into his game and he was just walking he wasn't even running he was walking down the sidewalk and i followed him and he walked and he went to like a newsstand and he bought a coffee <laughs> and i was like oh what is this guy doing this is so strange yeah that's really weird when people play games like they're ordinary npcs isn't it chris yeah it's bizarre i can't imagine you would ever do such a ridiculous thing um, but I love that mode and I've gotten really good. My, my new meta game is to try to detect players entering my game before they start hacking me, before I'm actually notified that they're there. And I caught three people yesterday before they started hacking me. I've gotten so good by which I mean, I've gotten so paranoid <laughs> that I, I play like a lunatic now just on my own. I'm just, I'll drive and I'll, then I'll stop the car and I'll jump out and I'll crouch behind a thing and I'll, jump into a security camera and I'll scan the block like three blocks behind me looking for any sign that an NPC is an actual player. And that's how I play now. It's, it's absurd and bizarre, but I keep catching people before they hack me and it's awesome. So. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Like, I don't know. For me, I'd really like just the idea of being able to dip into someone's game and just watch them play like on you know unselfconsciously like because obviously with twitch and things people are you know they consent to being on the stream and they're sort of you know they have their i'm being broadcast mentality but with this it sounds like you know people just sort of go about their business because they don't know that they've been sort of you know accessed for a while and I I think I'd just like I I would like to go in and watch them just sort of wander around or you know faff Right. I like yeah, I went into I went into one game and this guy I ran up to where he was and the the map was showing that he was above me somehow. I was like, where is he? And mm. he was a there was like a seven story um, kind of a spiral uh, parking garage. Mm. 
and he was at the top of it and I was at the bottom. I was like, oh, do I have to run all the way up here? But then I, I noticed he was coming down. His little icon was going in kind of slow circles mm-hmm. um, toward the ground. I'm like, what is he doing? And then finally he comes out. He's in this enormous flatbed truck that he's driving. And for some reason, he drove from the roof all the way down to the ground, even though there's trucks all over the place in the game. And he comes roaring out of the garage in this giant truck and goes speeding off to go. I don't know what he was going to do, but it was really interesting to watch him. And then, of course, I ruined his whatever he was doing. I ruined it because I I hacked him and then I ran myself all the way back up to the top of the garage so he couldn't find me. But but it is curious. It's it is interesting to watch people playing when they don't know they're being watched. So hmm. cool. Um, yeah. One question I wanted to ask you, Chris, actually, is um, <clears throat> some of the, a lot of the sort of general, maybe the open world stuff, and in particular the multiplayer stuff and things like that about Watch Dogs sound quite interesting to me. Like, how much of those can I do without you know going into the story? Because I know something like Far Cry Three or whatever, I wanted to basically play the game without playing the story, but I couldn't because I had to get to a certain place so I could unlock all the skills and unlock the uh, right. second island and stuff like that. Um, well, let's see. It's it's a little hard. Like, I, I kind of, since I was reviewing it, I felt like I had to uh, make sure I made it through the main story, so I kind of just did all the main story at once. Um, the whole world um, is is available from the start. Like, you can go everywhere. But the main story will unlock the um, operating system access. So, like, you can go to certain parts of the city, you just don't have access to everything. Mm-hmm. But I think... I think if you do probably about 10 to 12 hours of the main story, it'll open up all the areas of the city, I think. That's hard to say. Like I said, I, I kind of had to play it yeah. uh, linear, linearly, so it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there are a lot of side, side uh, missions where you can unlock skill points so you can, you can get access to skills and things without having to finish mm. the main yeah. story. Cool. That sounds sounds interesting. Like I'm, yeah. Like it, not the price point is still such that I don't find it interesting enough to pick it up from mm-hmm. like what people have said. But yeah. I don't know. There are aspects of it that I'd really like to sort of tinker around with. Yeah, it, I felt like you know a lot of it was kind of a drag, but there was enough. Um, enough besides the main story to really keep me interested in. It's still something, you know, even usually when I'm done reviewing something, I maybe don't play it, keep playing mm. it, but I've been I've played it pretty much every day since I finished the reviews. Yeah. I, it does sound, I mean, like I said, that multiplayer stuff sounds really interesting and almost... Yeah, like I, could, I could talk about that for like three <laughs> solid hours. I find it so much fun. It's so fun. I think I think it might be because I'm, I'm kind, I feel like I'm kind of good at it I'm good at not being detected. I'm good at sniffing out other players, and I'm typically I'm not very good at anything in a game. And when I find something that I'm like, oh, I'm really good at this. I'm like really excited. I finally feel like I'm better than most people at something. <laughs> so I get I get excited about it. That's all I want to do. Is this like how I thought that maybe one day I would find like a language that I was super talented at and wouldn't have to work to like, <laughs> wouldn't have to practice that? I'd just be like, no, I actually have a skill for this. Right. <laughs> have you been playing anything else or is Watch Dogs um, very much your sort of this week's time sink that's been most of this week I did play a little of Daisy uh, Experimental Branch mm. I don't know if you guys are 
I know, Philippa, you played a little Daisy a while back. I do. I sort of dip into it every now and again. At the moment, I'm sort of on hiatus because I've set up a Daisy book club and I haven't finished reading the book, so I can't go back to it yet. You set up so, a Daisy book club? Yeah, like... A, uh, I think I spoke about it maybe a couple of weeks ago, but basically, because there are so many sort of like public domain books in that game, I figured oh, right. I would go and find one and then like spend a couple of weeks just like, you know, to make sure that I'd read it and that if anyone else was interested, they could read it too. And then spend the time it takes in game to find the next one, like discussing the previous one. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, yeah, like, hopefully it would, like, chain for, like, you know, a, a while and maybe people would get something out of it. But so that means that I haven't been back to it in a while because it's oh, got such a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, what have you been doing in that then? Um, well, the, uh, the experimental branch um, where they test the new features before they uh, push them over to the main servers. Mm. Um, so there's usually about a dozen or so experimental servers and... Um, they had been talking for a while about getting some more survival mechanics in there. So, um, mm. like making campfires, cutting down trees for wood, um, hunting animals, cooking, um, giving, I think giving people a little more to do than just find guns and find people to shoot with the guns. Yeah. Uh, it feels slightly more kind of civilization rebuilding sort of fledgling in that direction rather than just right. sort of aggressive hiking yeah yeah so i've been i've been checking that out and that's been a lot of fun it's fun to um you know cut down a tree it's weird to say it it's it's fun to cut down a tree even though every crafting game seems to have some sort of tree punching mechanic where you get chunks of wood from trees but it's fun to do it with an actual um axe and see the tree fall down and then make a campfire and um you know try to cook something and mm. so that's been sort of enjoyable do they have like other types of weaponry yet or is it still uh just guns and stuff like do you have like bows and arrows for hunting yeah they've they've added uh they added crossbows um in the last update and i think you can craft a bow and arrow but i'm not sure if the arrows actually fire yet uh, okay, cool. I might, uh, yeah, see if I can check that out at some point. But jeez. How about you, Tom? What have you been up to? Um, I started playing Bastion recently. Oh, yeah. What, because of Transistor or just from something unrelated? I, um, I don't know, yeah. I guess that made me think about it again. But it's one of those ones that I've had, like, installed for a while. I picked it up when it was uh, on a sale. And I've always been meaning to get around to it. And I just wanted something that I could... Uh, relax and sit back and maybe play with a pad or something like that. Um, and I gave it a go. It was really, really good. Um, I'd heard people talk about how the, the cool art design story and things like that. I hadn't realised it also has a really like fun, simple, real-time combat system. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, the, the narrated stuff is fantastic. I know people talked a lot about it at the time it came out, but the way in which like uh, the entire story is conveyed by this um, narrator who, like, the first thing that happens is it says, uh, is he talks about how the kid woke up in, uh, the kid woke up in a, um, in a house in the sky, the world all gone to hell. And then you're just lying there, and 
you do, and then you realise that you have to move. You have to move. Which point the kid stands up, and then the narrator kicks in with, "He got up. He and then it all keys off what you do." So obviously there's some storyline stuff. So we'll just say something when you reach a certain point. Um, when you reach a certain point of the level, he'll tell you something about it. Like he'll explain the story of the boss that you're about to fight or whatever. But also there's a bunch of his um, stuff. Like at one point, I just smashed a bunch of stuff up with my hammer because everything's destructible and kind of and spits out coins in a kind of zeldery fashion. Mm. Um, and so um, and, and he goes and, and after I like a few seconds of doing that, he just went. The kid just let loose for a while. <laughs> Get the anger out. <laughs> so who's the better narrator? Is it this one or is it the guy from Stanley Parable? Oh, it's a tough one. Uh, Who'd win the battle of the narrators? It's, it's, it's a tough one. They are probably the two best by a long way. <laughs> Stanley Parable one is, you know, funnier but, mm-hmm. um, and uh, cleverer, but it probably doesn't do... Uh, it's, 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 it's a bit more maybe linear and you kind of know what he's going to say in each situation, whereas... Right. The Bastion one is more likely to spit out something a bit random. And I think both of them are also Dota announcers now. Well, oh, really? I was going to say, like, my only real sort of exposure to either of them, because I booted up Bastion at some point and then didn't get any further. And I think for some reason it was related to the art style, but I can't, yeah, like, I can't remember what. I think maybe it just felt kind of similar to WoW in its sort of aesthetic, just in terms of like the colourfulness, and I just wasn't in the mood for that, but uh, anyway but yeah, like so I'm just used to them from their, their Dota announcing and I actually got rid of the Bastion announcer because it annoyed me so much um, whereas the Stanley Parable one is my favourite thing of all time so... What was it about the Bastion? Was, was there any particular thing you said that was one you up? It was just like I think it didn't chime with my experience of the game. Mm. Like, his sort of attitude just didn't feel congruous, and so it was just chafing every time he said anything. Mm. And so, like, eventually I just turned it off and and went with the default announcer because at least that was kind of more like background, you know, noise, whereas this was sort of actively... um, irritating um i wonder if i played bastion i would have a lot more sort of fondness for it it's something it's it's on my list of stuff that i i think the stanley parallel pack is more overtly silly really which dota kind of is in a way well like my games sort of oscillate between serious and silly and so like the stanley parable seems to capture more of that whereas the Bastion one just I you know maybe it's references that I'm not getting or you know things like that I just but it just didn't appeal it didn't sit well with my game that was happening on the screen you know mm. so yeah yeah it's it's as you say the art style is is very colorful it's kind of like it feels a lot like a um a very a lot like a Japanese RPG in a few ways um but it doesn't do any of the like actual JRPG stuff. Uh, it's all isometric, it's all in real time, um, in the sort of, you know, almost hourglass hack and slash. But, and what I found interesting is it, is it is like a large RPG with, uh, you know, loads of interesting upgrades and tactical gubbins and enemies and a quite a long-reaching, so far quite interesting story. Uh, mm. But made by a small team, just by scaling it down and doing it through this, through these simple, like, Isometric tile sets. They've actually managed to create bit to create a game that narrative the the, the um, 
works on the same kind of scale, which is impressive. So, you know, I you, think, know, you don't yeah. need to get those kind of story-driven RPGs from small teams anymore, unfortunately. Well, I think that like everyone that I've spoken to has sort of talked of it fondly or, you know, raved about it. And so I think that my experience wasn't a typical one. And that's why I'm perfectly prepared to reevaluate it, because I think, you know, judging by the amount I played of it, like, you know, it really was just, you know, probably not even 10 minutes. It clearly was just I am not in the right frame of mind for this. Yeah, exactly. I think it was for me, it was like a, a Saturday afternoon game. You know what I mean? Just sort of, uh, and there are definitely times where I might have wanted something a little bit more intensive or, or darker, maybe. But um, I, yeah, I, I really like things about it. The, uh, I actually really like um, parts of it. I like the fact that essentially the whole like world is floating in midair. Mm. Um, it constantly makes reference to the calamity, some kind of apocalyptic event that happened before. Also, also great. This is a post-apocalyptic game that isn't brown. It's it's incredibly colourful. Right, <laughs> and. So everything is like just, um, I said it's kind of isometric tiles. They're all like in midair. Mm. Um, and sometimes they fall away. Like the first couple of times you're looking for a city core, which will help you power up the bastion, which is a safe space that can house, that houses all the people who survived, um, mm. which is initially just you and the narrator. Um, but when you take one from a level, it starts to fall apart. And then you, it actually manages to do the race along a falling level. Uh, in a way that isn't irritating. Okay. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's really cool. I'm looking forward to following it more because the the early levels it were very like systemic. It was go to each level, get a uh, core or some such, and from the stuff that's just happened, I won't talk about what it is, but it feels like it's veering way more into story driven territory. Mm. Okay. It's interesting. But yeah, uh, Transistor looks great as well, so I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing it and trying that. Yeah, I picked that up the other day. Uh, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, though. Mm. So yeah, I I don't know which order to do them in. Probably Transistor first, to be honest. Are they, they're not actually like explicitly connected, are they? No, no, not at all. But I was just wondering, you know, personally, because I, I like doing things in chronological order, but... Also, there you is like keeping up with the cultural zeitgeist. Like at the moment. Oh yeah, no, I like you know it's it's my five years behind the current affairs kind of <laughs> thing that I I like to keep going. You know, it's it's the social media finger on the pulse thing that I've got going on. So when did Bastion come out? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think... Like how how out of date would I be? Uh, I think it was that long ago. It was maybe two years. I don't know. I think you might be. I'm thinking, like, you know, because my, my benchmark is five years out of date, I think. Well, if they're making so a second I, I game now, it's probably... I seem to be probably... at least half a decade old <laughs> with my news. Well, if they're releasing their second game now, it's probably between two and four. Mm. Like oh, maybe I should wait for another few years, then. I'll have to wait another couple of years. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing I've been doing also is, um, well, I haven't really started it yet, but uh, Craig is setting up a game of Dominions 4, mm. which... Looks absolutely ridiculous. Um, uh, Great is this? Yes. Um, we started uh, in. Um, uh, basically, I was reading. Uh, Tom Senior has been doing a diary about it in uh, PC Gamer. Mm-hmm. And it's this yeah. incredibly old. It's it's a game. It's a strategy game that visually would have looked bad in like 1998, <laughs> 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 but is incredibly complex. Like you. 
get all these mythological civilizations based around a fairly for a fairly wide variety of mythologies for a change, including stuff that often gets ignored, like uh, Celtic city lore, and um, there's one based off uh, the uh, Epic of Gilgamesh and other things like that. So it's quite it's not just you know your generic fantasy settings; it's quite a lot of actual mythology in there. Okay. And then you create a, you create a god, or sorry, a, a pretender god, and you fight uh, everyone else for the uh, chance to be the one true god. Mm. And mm. the god creation system is incredibly complicated. It's like it's uh, it reminded me a bit of Solomon Infernum in that sense, where you like you choose a form for your god, and there's a whole there's a whole like complex tree of um, magic stuff, um, and the end game magic can be incredibly powerful. And they range massively. Your god, it's not just like you can be anything from like a a, a giant dragon to uh, a pile of bones to a stationary immobile obelisk uh, <laughs> to just <laughs> a wizard that quite like to be a god. It's and it's then like every civilization will get like ten at least choices of things. Um, it's really strange, and like, obviously your strategy if you're a giant. If you're a giant or a dragon or a giant dragon, is going to be radically different from if you're a, an obelisk. <laughs> if, yeah, because yeah, as a giant dragon, you can go out in the early game and you're as good as most armies from the beginning. And you can beat the crap out of them. Uh, as an obelisk, you've got to kind of stay put and become very good at magic and eventually learn spells, which basically just end the world. Like all the magic trees, the end, the, the end spells are just like set off all the volcanoes in the world, flood all coastal provinces. <laughs> so conjure <is>, infinite ghosts <laughs> so is this like so you have your god and you have your nation and um, is sort of choosing the type of god and the you know the, the associated stuff there more to do with you know like creating a hero class or you know like it's more to do with that side of things than you having to actively um, pursue any ideas of Faith, like it's. It sounds like it's still a kind of strategy and conquering game, rather than oh, yeah, yeah. like. Because I was interested um, when you started talking about it, because I hadn't really read about it. I'd like actually. Um, I need to go back and read Tom's uh, diary of it because uh, it sounded interesting. I just didn't have the time. But um, the thing that sprang to my mind while you were talking was the um, the book in the Discworld book, Small Gods. Oh yeah, and so I was kind of interested in the idea of you know like starting, you know, with like a small civilization and sort of maybe performing acts of faith that would then spread that around and sort of yeah like having different types of god and you sort of you know being able to use I don't know if you're a sort of fire dragony kind of god like being able to use that sort of fire and brimstone mentality whereas you know if you were an obelisk perhaps like performing miracles or you know like um uh, stigmata or like you know tears or something would be interesting it is yeah it is a fairly traditional like god game rts kind of thing in that sense but there mm. are there are face-based parts of it but i don't really understand them yet i know that there are you know there are priests there are like you name one of your generals your prophet Mm. Uh, who's usually the first person who believed in you as a god. And mm. I think you are powered by belief to an extent. Like I think there are some ways in which you can effectively yeah, in which you can effectively end a god by destroying all their believers. Mm. Um, 
Okay. So, but I don't really understand that part of it that much yet. It's a very complicated game. I haven't really started playing it. I'm just looking at the character creation screen, gobsmacked at the sheer variety of choices. <laughs> Not really understanding any of them. You had me at uh, looks looks bad for 1994. Yeah. Because that make that makes me think of uh, Mount Mountain Blade. <laughs> and those games that are so ugly and yet they're so fantastic oh, yeah. at the same time. It is so. it is atrocious, ugly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Thomas Watt Diary in uh, PC Games is quite a good before He decided to play as the obelisk. He, he was a, st- a giant stone obelisk in control of a faction that was a bunch of uh, apes ruled by a bunch of demons. <laughs> <laughs> Who's very good at death magic. Uh, <laughs> Uh, also, he uh, also he chose to have his god like start the game asleep and spend the first ten turns or, or something like that, and there's only fifty uh, mm. uh, out of the game to get more points of character creation. Uh, okay. Which is interesting. So yeah, he. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, it's really interesting seeing him trying to uh, f- figure his way through the various mechanics, and uh, I can, from what I can see, he's mostly going betting on surviving. To walk to the end game and then casting one of the absolute destroy everything spells, which is if you're a giant stone obelisk is a fairly good plan. Mm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, your best course of action. <laughs> Unrelated, that should be his uh, next lot of business cards. <laughs> Just you know him as a giant stone obelisk, <laughs> like radiating global sort of, I don't know, disapproval and destruction. <laughs> Yeah, um, and there's all sorts of weird stuff in there that you know, um, it's, it's, it's it's like it's paradox levels complicated. Basically, I don't know if it's actually published by Paradox, but it, uh, but it's the kind of thing where you think you understand the game, and then someone talks about like how to crossbreed animals, and you're like, what? I didn't even know that existed. Mm. Uh, and in Tom's case, he seems like he has a fairly fairly good handle on uh, everything, except he keeps getting. Um, he keeps getting extra extra slaves in his blood slave dungeons that he's pretty sure he never ordered to be built. I would rather they weren't. <laughs> but he can't figure out how to stop. <laughs> oh no, that's well, yeah, all, that's an interesting that, problem right? to <laughs> have. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's a, from what you're saying, it sounds like one of those games where the first time you play it, it's essentially like I don't know a nine-hour tutorial. <laughs> rather than an actual game and you're just fiddling yeah. with systems and going wait what <laughs> I think so basically I think five or six of us are going to jump into one game and it's it's turn based and you can do either play by or email I think Craig is setting up a server so that we all put our turns in and when everyone's put one in it or clock it over automatically mm. um, which is yeah already an improvement on Solium because that was only played by email and all games of Solium I've played and disintegrated because of that <laughs> because cool. uh, at some point no, someone would fail to send in their turn and the organisation around it would fail. I think the same thing happened with Neptune's Pride. Like you'd sort of have to go away for work for a few days, and then you'd be out of the game. Yeah. It's like thanks work. At least <laughs> I mean, that... you know, I know you, I need yeah. you for food and shelter, <laughs> but I mean, my game. <laughs> at, le- at least in that sense, the game itself would continue with with um, Solium's old play by email one, and there was no way I think to force the turn onwards if someone didn't submit. So if you went away for a few days everything would stop and eventually people would probably lose interest if enough people did that. Mm. Uh, but yeah, in this case we're going to give it a go. Uh, I don't think any of us know it that well, the people that are playing, so we're probably going to, I think we might end up there doing two teams or something and then we'll try and learn off each other as best we can. 
I suspect yeah. it will take a couple of games before we have an empty <laughs> Because yeah. yeah, but it it, it it's um, but the, the god stuff looks fascinating, and it kind of you look at that and then you compare it to all other god games, and you're like, yeah, what, uh, you know, you say you're a god game, but can I play as a pile of haunted bones? <laughs> <laughs> um, That's pretty great. Yeah. Hmm. I haven't been doing anything nearly as involved. I've been, well, I've played an absolute shit ton of Dota, um, which just, I should probably just gloss over at this point because everyone has heard probably most of my opinions about that. Um, although, actually. Well, I saw your last stream, or at least some of it. Which live stream? Oh, the uh, one the other day? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. So I, I like that. I should probably go back to streaming a bit more. Like I was, it wasn't even mine. It was on um, Chris's. But yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. Yes, <laughs> French chat. Anyway, uh, so yeah, no. The other thing that I was doing was um, I was in one of those moods where I wanted to play something and I didn't want it to be big, and so I actually um, at that exact moment, Phil Savage tweeted a link to the PC gamer like uh, free games. <laughs> list that they'd done oh, yeah. so I scanned that and there was a thing called Organised Thief and that I was just good. like um, okay why not and the thing is it's just you know like it's one of those games where it's a, you know a, a house that's been created in Unity and you have like a list that you look at and you have to wander around like and just find all of these things and they're in sort of more or less logical places except there's you know like really like chunky bracelets in odd you know bits of the house and then just stacks of money you know like in a drawer that's got absolutely nothing else in it it's kind of like wandering around a show home but um after a certain amount of time like you hear someone pull up into the driveway and you hear their key like you know like jingling against the lock and stuff and then they come in and then you know like obviously they'll be slightly perturbed that you're in there like robbing them um basically you can leave either once you've got the stuff or once the person gets into the house and you know discovers they've been robbed then the option changes to escape otherwise you just have to kind of like keep looking for stuff um and like it's sort of you know like it 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 passed you know a couple of minutes and I just sort of like went okay fine um you know I sort of I played it till I'd you know managed to get like a hundred percent of the stuff on the list and then I was like, okay, well, that's that then. Um, but then something else caught my eye, which is Dog of Dracula 2. <laughs> um, which is just this amazing game about um, this guy who was like a groomer. And he, like in this sort of like Nuevo Tokyo kind of society. And like, the, I think that the conceit for... Dog of Dracula 1 was that like sauce had been outlawed like condiments had been outlawed and like I think I think this is just from playing the second one but I think you and your faithful sort of half cybernetic half biological dog would you know like had somehow like dealt with this or like the corrupt kind of corporations and things like that i was like okay fine um that old story exactly like tale as old as time (laughs) um like in this one it starts off with you and dog 
in an apartment and I, I have absolutely no idea how um, the dog had like done this but I think he's somehow as well as like having all these cybernetic implants he's like also absorbed the dark powers of Dracula no idea anyway um and so you've turned to a life of like condiment addiction and he's sort of turned evil <laughs> and like is somehow part of like I think it's woof leaks in the game like you know it's sort of WikiLeaks, and then like there's a sort of whole aspect of like corporation type stuff. It's such a short game that I don't really want to like talk too much about the plot and like spoil it in case anyone wants to play it because it was actually really good. Like there's a whole heap of like you know pop culture references and just some bizarre things. Like you know if you click on like an option to do something and then just something unexpected comes up, but not in a kind of I'm just gonna scare you or do something weird. It's just like that's just quite funny or quite well executed and so like it sort of understands it's like it's sort of cyberpunky kind of genre and and I just it was really lovely and really funny and just sort of it it sort of nails it rather than coming across as sneery Mm -hmm. so yeah like that that I really enjoyed and then I was talking about that to a friend of mine um, and he recommended Murder Dog 4 Trial of Murder Dog um, which is another free game Um, and it it's like so you're a dog who is on trial at the Hague for like killing hundreds and hundreds of people and you have to sort of use the evidence and the witnesses and you know all kinds of other stuff at your disposal to to avoid trial basically or avoid um conviction and there isn't an option for saying i didn't do this it's just that you plead not guilty and then try and get off on a technicality um but yeah and so like it's another one that sort of only took a few minutes but because like I couldn't get it to run properly I think maybe I was playing like a slightly older version but um it kept skipping through explanation bits and so I was just like I have managed to get this dog off on a technicality no idea what the technicality was don't really entirely understand what just happened i think the hague legal system might need slightly looking into because clearly there are problems but yeah like it was just yeah i i've i've sort of enjoyed shying away from like big super involved narrative kind of you know 30 hour super serious games and just kind of going okay internet what have you made What's happened? What's going on? Do you think it would have helped at all to have played Murder Dog 1 through 3? Well... Just to get you kind of caught up on who Murder Dog is, you know, why is he murdering, that kind of thing? Well, I don't really know. I don't even know whether Murder Dogs 1 through 3 exist. (laughs) I mean, I know that Dog of Dracula is part of a duology, and I couldn't find the original for, you know, for, I was going to say for ages, like it took like two minutes of Googling, but <laughs> I did one minute of Googling and then thought, oh, maybe there wasn't one, but there was. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I think I think Murder Dog 4 stands on its own as, oh, okay. as an, an endeavour and an artistic statement. <laughs> but yeah, so um, that's what I've been doing with my time. A lot of dog, really dog-based... Enjoyed. Dog-based shenanigans, I guess. Evil dog. Well, this is 
so I've had some yeah, dog games. it's been evil dogs because I'll level with you. One of my friends is getting a puppy, and I can't have a puppy, so I'm trying to make myself feel better. <laughs> These evil dogs, man, you know. I need to. I need to convince myself that it's it's a good thing I don't have the dog. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to actually have to take your dog to a murder trial and defend him. Exactly. Nope. Or find out that he's been masterminding something behind my back. You know, I just. You know, I, I want a faithful companion. And maybe dogs aren't aren't the way forwards. Maybe a golden retriever puppy wouldn't make me happy. Maybe you should look for a uh, haunted pile of bones instead. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, I wonder if he can be a dog in Dominion's. <gasps> Probably can. There must be some sort of dog god, I think. Yeah. I have a pet god. <laughs> that would be great. But yeah, well. I'd be the envy of all. Probably. Maybe. Unlikely. Right. <laughs> sure, anyway. some questions. <laughs> Shall we do some questions from the the Twitter? Ed has sent in a fine selection also this week. Sure. Uh, unless you have any from the the email address of, of emailing. I do have some others as well. Um, uh. Only a couple. You go ahead first. Let's hear. Every time we ask for questions now, we get like a bunch of really strange ones from Ed's turn. It's amazing. Okay, question one. I say strange, one. I mean brilliant, obviously. <laughs> We need to come up with a name for his subsection, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, so the first one Stern is... questions. Well, I don't know. I thought, there's got to be a better pun. Yeah, you know, there must be. Um, anyway, the Quest, first one... Question. Question. <laughs> questions from Edstones. Questions from Edstones. <laughs> yeah, we should do that. That should be the thing. Needs a jingle. Twitter, if you could come up with a jingle, that would be great. Um, so he asks, are there any good picnics in games? Would any game benefit from a nice tartan travel rug? I would say I don't remember any good picnics in games, but that I think that something like Say You're Being Hunted would probably have a tartan travel rug. It feels like that's a thing that that game should have. Um, I was playing Ether One a little while back, and that does not have a picnic. But I'm pretty sure there is a our abandoned picnic, like abandoned picnics there, uh, and it's mm. very it's very much the kind of place for it. It's a very sort of landscape painting depiction of the Cornish countryside. The thing is, though, I'm not sure that picnics exist in real <laughs> life anymore. I think that they only exist in children's books in the sense of like tartan rugs and like triangle sandwiches and things. You're saying you what want to happens... go for a picnic? Okay. Well no, what happens in real life is that you know you sort of spread your coat out on the ground or your hoodie or whatever and then you sit there and like you know gradually unpack a bag of stuff that you bought in like Sainsbury's and you know it doesn't look anywhere near as idyllic and doesn't photograph very well and no one owns a thermos so you know it just it doesn't work i do in fact yeah. own a picnic hamper um, possibly have you ever hamper? used it um well no exactly you see picnics don't exist <laughs> plus you always have to you have to weight everything down because the wind will blow everything away and then you wind up you know you lift up your drink and then the napkin blows away and you have to chase it and then you say you'd like someone to organise a picnic for you, Pip. I don't know. I think I'd like to have a proper old-fashioned picnic just to 
be assured that they do actually exist but i think they just don't in that sense anymore they only exist in children's books and maybe that's where ed should be looking for these things like you'll find them probably in like i don't know sesame street kind of target demographic games i mean obviously i'm someone who subscribes to sesame street on youtube however i think that like you know that that's probably more of the like tranche of of gamers that but picnics get aimed at. Yes, I would like a picnic. <laughs> is essentially where that was going. Okay, try and sort one out next time. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the next one is which characters from entirely different games or IPs could you see settling down together? Hmm. I think despite being absent, Kara has already written an answer to this question with her James Bond, Joanna Dark thing. I don't know. I think maybe they would like just clash hideously as personalities, you know? Mm. Like they'd be too similar. Um, I can't really. My brain always goes blank when this thing kind of happens. <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> or I start thinking you. of completely inappropriate things like, oh, mm. well, you know, if I take as my starting point something from Viva Pinata, then. Mm. I'm just picturing, like, I'm just. Picturing a house that is populated entirely by the different Nolan North characters. <laughs> Maybe Nolan North should get together with Nolan North. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan Drake and Desmond Miles and. <laughs> mm. No, no, don't talk about Desmond, please. <laughs> Too many bad memories. No, <laughs> Desmond. Uh. Uh, actually, I had a question, but like, this isn't from any of these things. Are there any dogs in Watch Dogs? Um, no, there are no dogs. You can make a phone sound like a barking dog. <laughs> can you make a watch sound like a dog? No. Uh, I don't think there are any watches either. No dogs and no watches. What a shame. What? Well, fine. Such a misleading title. Um, okay. Uh, third from Ed's batch is what's the best game goat it could just have the head of a goat if needs be. I'm pretty sure this some of the gods of Dominions 4 have the head of a goat. Mm. Um, but, I don't know. I haven't actually played Goat Simulator. Has anyone played it? No, no. I didn't want to. I decided it would be gimmicky. I thought, I figured it, it probably the title was going to be the best part of it, and that was free, so. Mm. I figured that was enough. Mm. Wasn't there a game where, like, GOAT was an acronym? Yes, it was Fallout. Yeah, Fallout yeah, the, uh, yeah it was test. your A-levels or something, wasn't it? Right. It was, yeah, like, or your, your like, general aptitude uh, study character creation Yeah, test. I'm pretty sure the G, A, and T were general aptitude tests, but I'm not sure what the O was. Yeah, <laughs> well, that was the best one, because it meant that I was then an awesome character in what is an amazing game. <laughs> I liked it because it meant I was uh, very close to being able to kill Butch the bully. That was his name, right, Butch? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yes. Because yeah. right after the test, you, I think you can punch him out and then you can kill him later. So it's a great deal of fun. I can't remember who I killed first in Fallout 3. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's important to add the in Fallout 3 at the end of that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I remember that I took a coffee mug from nearby to commemorate the occasion but I just can't remember who it was the first person you're <laughs> usually sub 
supposed to actually kill us. I think you get attacked by some guards when you leave. But... Maybe it was one of them. Right. I don't know. The red mist descended. <laughs> um, and Ed's final question is, many free-to-play games target whales, but which games would appeal most to actual whales? Definitely not Dishonored. Mm, that's no. <laughs> that would be a tragedy game for them. They'd just be in tears the whole time. Maybe emo whales with like live journal accounts. Mm. Um, I know in uh, the Pan Paper game Eclipse Phase, you can play as a space whale. So maybe that. Hmm. Yes. I don't know, like, would you want to simulate being a space whale if you were an actual whale? I suppose we like being spacemen. Yeah. Also, you because Eclipse Phase is all about, like, it's, it's all about transhumanism and, like, one consciousness going into there, so you could be born a space whale, but choose to live as a swarm of nanobots. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Well, like, this, you know, this maybe relates to the goat question, because would a goat want to play Goat Simulator? Not really. Uh, it's yeah. A, it, to, to, I suppose to a goat, goat simulator is just like gone home. <laughs> 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 this is assuming it is an accurate simulation of being a goat, which I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe whales would actually really like, I don't know, Singstar. Because they're famous for, you know, whale song. Uh, so they could actually have, like, you know, parties under the sea. <laughs> and that's the end of questions for us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, shall I do the other ones that I've sent? Or? Yeah, sure. Sure. Cool. Um, so uh, Chris Stewart says, what's the best way to work through a massive backlog or would it be easier to cut and run and start a new? That's a good question. I know um, what was it? A, couple, a, a couple of weeks ago we had Jordan on who decided to try and work through a backlog by playing like um, several games for an hour each. Mm. And that's, as it turns out, it's a really terrible way of doing it. Because <laughs> you're either, like, you don't get it, you don't really get into it, or you're incredibly dissatisfied because you have to stop. So don't mm. do that. Yeah. Yeah, that must be really frustrating. Um, I don't know. I think, like, I what I've done is I've downloaded a whole heap from my backlog onto my computer and so that it's not a massively scary amount of stuff. Mm. But there is always something there that I can play if I am bored and don't fancy any of my regular things. That's so, like, true. I've got a few things that are sort of, you know, like, I've got Lift Rousers and 10 Second Ninja for, you know, more of a sort of a quick hit. And I've got, you know, um, the Arkham games for something a bit more involved. And uh, I've, like, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, I'd gone back to... Um, the Masquerade Bloodlines, and you know, there's just there's a variety of experiences there. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I'm um, actually that I'd done something similar where I'd like, like the next five or so games on my list of things to complete, I'd um, download, I'd already pre-downloaded and made sure they were already in my Steam library, so I could just turn them on whenever I felt like it. And Bastion was one of those, and I just started playing that this weekend. Mm. I'm trying to like, unless it's something that's massively 
great sort of deal financially i'm trying to sort of download stuff because i'm super interested and play it while that feeling is still there yeah because that's what happens is i download something and maybe it's just the length of time that it's taken to download like if i have to leave it going overnight or something then the next morning i'm not necessarily in the same mood and then it gets put on the pile and that's you know it feels a bit oh you know i'm have i missed my window will i go back to it I mean, it also depends, like, what kind of, uh, what kind of games you're talking about, what kind of medium. Like, uh, I have a tiny little netbook that I mostly use for typing on, but it also runs small indie games. And so I put a bunch of stuff like Thomas Was Alone and Braid and things like that on there, and I play those when I'm taking a long train journey. And that's meant that I've actually gone through my indie game backlog a lot faster than my, uh, my, my needs a proper PC game backlog. Hmm. Yeah. So, and and I guess you know I wouldn't do it at the expense of new stuff either. So, but it's yeah. I think it's more just about like working out what kind of mood you're in and what would suit that. Because if you just try and plow through a backlog regardless of how you actually feel and what you would like to play, then that's you know a surefire way of ensuring that you give up on the whole endeavor within like an hour. That's true. But sometimes I do I do think sometimes there are good games that I don't feel in the mood to play, and then. If I actually do it after an hour or so, I am into it. Like when I think, oh, I don't want to play Stalker today. It's so depressing. And then after a while of exploring the uh, anomaly, it turns out that I was actually just putting myself off. It's like how I often don't want to watch cringe comedy stuff. So I'm like, oh no, it'll just make me cringe so hard. But then I actually enjoy it when it's on. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I personally don't have really much of a backlog. I, I'm not really a big um, um, collector, I guess, or a big buyer. I tend to buy things if I want to play them right then, as opposed to uh, <clears throat> like I know I know a lot of people will see a sale and buy like eight different games or ten different games, yeah. knowing that they'll play them someday. And I kind of I tend to not do that for some reason. I think. I just buy the ones that I'm really interested in at the moment. I'm, I think that's probably means I probably miss a lot of deals, but I basically yeah, basically I did the sale buying thing quite extensively about two years ago, and I've still got a shitload of games that I haven't <laughs> played because of that. Hmm. I think yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's a, it's a combination of different things, and there's no easy answer. But... I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that helps actually: doing a weekly podcast, and knowing you'll be asked what you've been playing recently. Because <laughs> yeah. actually, that's now I think about it, that might have been why I played Bastion yesterday. It was just like, sure, I won't have oh, anything to talk about. about. Let's let's just play Bastion. <laughs> like, okay, I've got one more question. And it's from Ben Rose, and he says, I played Dota 2 for the first time recently. It was fun, but I don't see the thousand-hour appeal. What am I missing? And I asked him, like, as a follow-up, just, um, are there any games that you would say had, like, a thousand-hour appeal? And he (laughs) said, um, Hearthstone. Mm -hmm. And also that he'd sort of run up massive sort of timestamps on things like Team Fortress 2 and Spelunky. And the thing is, like, with that, and also with my own experience with Dota, like, I'd say that, like, Thousand Hour Appeal, you don't necessarily see it 
when it's right in front of you, you can sort of see that something has a complexity that will continue to be rewarding for a longer period of time. Like if something's massively straightforward or really short or, you know, just a self-contained, non-repeating experience, then that might, you know, clue you in that you won't be playing it in, you know, 4,000 hours time. But, um, you know, like things like with Hearthstone, you can get massively into it for a short space of time. And then if the meta doesn't continue to shift or if, you know, there's a dry period with like cards not being added or whatever, then you can sort of just really drop off the radar with it. And sort of like the things that feel initially like they might be thousand hour-y, like don't necessarily bear out. And, And with the Dota thing, like, I guess I only realized it had thousand hour appeal was when i looked at my um steam like timestamp and went holy shit (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) i I definitely agree with you i think because it's such a combination of things it's not even necessarily the game itself it's it's getting into the habit and constantly having people to play with in the case of a multiplayer game well that's the thing like you know if, if a community dies like then yeah, you, exactly. know, you don't have the option like you know city of heroes i'm sure there are people who would have loved to carry on playing that and you know that's just not possible now like when i uh, when battlefield 3 came out i thought i was going to be playing that for the next year but mm. it essentially appeared out after about three months for me. Mm. i haven't i haven't played anywhere near as much titanfall as i would have wanted to that's was possibly because i've gone through like um in the since it came out i've had like four weeks of no internet mm. uh, <laughs> But also because other my friends haven't seemed to be playing it as much, mostly because they're all playing Dota, god damn it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's something that I've noticed as well, like with the, the Titanfall thing, I was just like, oh, you know, I, I really want to be good at this. I think, you know, like, it could be really fun to play with people. But then, you know, since it released, like, no one's really mentioned it that, that is in my immediate circle of people that I multiplay with. So it's sort of completely dropped off my radar. And so even though it had the potential to be, you know, maybe a hundreds of hours game, it just isn't for those other reasons. It's yeah. nothing to do with the game itself. It's to do with... Yeah, I want to try so and push myself to play more so of it, especially because I think you're right. It doesn't feel like there's a, anything wrong with the game that's made that happen. Mm. It's just the way things have shaken out with our particular group of people. Mm. Um that's all of the questions I have. Yeah, I have one or two more. So look. Uh, Tom Howard says, "Am I crazy for wanting to buy a Wii U just for the new Mario Kart?" I know. I think three people who have done it exactly for those reasons. So no. <laughs> yeah, some people. Uh, I think it was Laura Dale was talking about the sales figures, and it turns out, yeah, a lot of people have bought it for Mario. Kart. I wouldn't have thought Mario Kart would be like a system seller thing, but apparently it is. Mm. Um. I don't tend to buy, I'm, I don't tend to buy systems just for one game myself. But then I, I don't tend to buy systems a lot at all, <laughs> generally speaking. I, That's typically why I do buy systems for one game. I think I bought my my Xbox 360 just for uh, Red Dead Redemption. Mm. I mean, the last console I bought was the Xbox 360 when I didn't have a gaming PC, and that was around the time of Oblivion coming out. But that that was the point at which I knew I needed something that would play current games and then a couple of years a few years after that i got my gaming pc and i haven't really bought anything since um so i don't know anytime no matter how good a game is if i look at buying a whole console for it i'm just thinking it's even though i know other things will come out for it i'm just looking at that game and thinking is that worth like 300 quid 
<laughs> well, I don't know how much of a Wii U is. So. I think it's cheaper than that now. I think it's like maybe just north of like two hundred. Plus, it's about fifty for the game, so mm. yeah, it's not too. They'll bad. probably be bundling it as well, given you know the popularity thereof. Um, but yeah, so. I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I don't think it's unusual. I think it's, you yeah. know, it's, it's not something that I tend to do, or I don't tend to do it on purpose. Like, I bought a DS and basically only played one game on it for months and months, but that was, I bought it thinking I would play a lot more, but then yeah. got stuck and obsessed with um, Kirby. So. <laughs> to be honest, I'd probably be more likely to buy a 3DS than a Wii U at this point. But, uh, but no, yeah, it's not unusual at all. I can tell a lot of people are doing that. And so I hope there are more games. Feel on it. validated. And I, I, when you do get it, I mean, there are there aren't a lot of games on the Wii U, but there are you know four or five good ones that you can pick up. And that probably makes it about worthwhile. Uh, what else have we got? Um, ben Barrett asks Chris, uh, "How much did Sony pay you? Uh, because uh, because it's uh, because that's a deal I want to get in on if at all possible." I think he's talking about the comments on your Watchdogs review. What were people saying Sony would pay you? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm confused. Why would Sony pay me? I mean, I, I know why Ubisoft is paying me for the thousands of dollars they are. Because, because I insulted their story and their main character and said they were sexist. And that's clearly why they paid me so much money. Mm. Um, but I'm not sure why Sony's, why is Sony paying me. I'm confused. I don't know. It's the, there's a very complex scheme of bribes in the head of it, that lives in the heads of it. Yeah, if Sony's interested, um, <laughs> certainly. I'm, I'm very much up for, for taking bribes from <laughs> massive companies, as are all games writers and journalists. I think we can agree on this. Apart from a picnic. Let's do one more, I think. Um, Nicholas West asks, uh, what's your favorite game soundtrack? <sighs> oh, favorite game soundtrack. Um, you know, I still have a CD from uh, Full Throttle, the LucasArts adventure game. Wow. The Gone Jackals were the um, did the sound for, or that I don't know if they wrote the music for the game or if the game just used their music. I think the game just probably used their music, but hmm. that's one of my favorites. Pip. Yeah, well, I was just thinking because I didn't want to say something like Zelda or whatever because mm. I'm not sure how much of that is that I love the soundtrack. Even though I do, it's it's more that it... I don't know, it's so tied up with loving the game. Whereas, so I've listened to a few soundtracks completely out of context. Like, um, so I was looking for some music to listen to on the way home once um, after a friend's housewarming party. Um, it was like, you know, it gone midnight. I was walking like, uh, yeah, just dark streets in North London. And um, Andy Kelly uh, recommended the Silent Hill 2 soundtrack. <laughs> and so I was listening to that. And then I was walking home um, and I was in the middle of like, there's a big park between my house and his house. Like it was an hour walk and then i suddenly realized that the half the park the lights had just cut out and failed so i was like i'm gonna have to walk through like super dark you know completely you know like you shouldn't be here walking alone at like you know 
one in the morning at this point just with this super like atmospheric horror game soundtrack <laughs> playing in my headphones I was like I could turn this off but I'm actually having a really interesting experience and I could turn back but I'm having a really interesting experience so that I thought well my mother's going to be really pleased if she finds out that I died because I wanted to have an interesting experience <laughs> but um yeah so I that was like kind of terrifying but also really interesting and enjoyable and it was a really strong soundtrack because obviously it worked out of the context of the game like I'd be really interested to go to one of those performances that they have at uh, the Royal Albert Hall every now and again you know the sort of the video game orchestral stuff Mm. um, to sort of just hear something completely out of context rather than you know the the sort of um, you know, just transplanted onto Spotify or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. So I, I guess that. <laughs> um, I don't really have a favourite because as I've mentioned a couple of times, I don't really listen to music a lot. I do have an interesting story about the ICO soundtrack because it turned, cause, uh, I discovered in university that uh, that, almost, that soundtrack almost instantly knocks me unconscious. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is, but every time my friend was playing ICO, I'd just fall asleep on the couch. <laughs> no matter what was going on. So Maybe I, it's like trigger for you. Like, you know, it triggers a kind of sleep state or something. Mm. So I just, uh, so I started like, um, and so I I, um, I got a, uh, so I borrowed it off him and started, because he had the soundtrack as well, and just started listening to it to uh, uh, help me get to sleep at night. But then I found out that I just didn't wake up in the morning for hours. So I was always late. So I had to stop. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Mm. Yeah. Curious. Have you tried playing the actual game to see if? You I, I think I would just conquer. <laughs> probably. Uh, I haven't actually no, um, uh, but I, I think that would, that, would prob- that would be pretty likely. I think <laughs> it would make it a very challenging game for me. Yeah. Was <laughs> awesome. there? And I have no questions left. By the way, so. Anything yeah, nobody else? sent me any questions. So. What? Did you ask Probably. for any? Um, well, I retweeted, but I don't <laughs> think anyone... But it was very... You'll have to gather questions in the manner of a, a farmer bringing in the harvest and then come back to us in a, in a oh, few yeah, podcasts' uh, time. Also, Tim Howe said, uh, will you read my Dragon Age slash Call of Duty fanfiction Spacey Invaders Fifty Shades of Grey Warden? Why yes, not? Yeah, if you that. send it in, we'll read it live on the podcast. <laughs> Don't say things that you can't take back. You can send it to uh, notagamepodcast at gmail.com. Tom will read it. <laughs> I've already hacked his phone and read it, so. <laughs> nice. <laughs> See how I tied it back in to the original? That's also, it's now good, circle huh? of, of podcast circle. has been completed. That doesn't Very have fine to work, that. Livingston. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, cool. In that case, shall we say goodbye to the good podcast audience and the bad ones? <laughs> sure thing. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>